Hello and welcome to the Nurse and Midwife Support Podcast. Your health matters. I'm Mark Aiken, the podcast host for today. I'm the Stakeholder Engagement Manager with Nurse and Midwife Support, and I'm a registered nurse. Nurse and Midwife Support is the national support service for nurses, midwives and students. The service is anonymous, confidential and free, and you can call us anytime about any issue you need support for. 1-800-667-877 or contact us via the website nmsupport.org.au. My guests today are Jackie Shaw and Helen Pentecost. We celebrated Jackie and Helen's stories as part of celebrating International Day of the Midwife and International Nurses Day. And those stories are available on our website. But today we get to speak to Jackie and Helen in person. So hello and welcome, Jackie and Helen. Hello, Mark. Hi. <laughs> hello, Mark. Hello. <laughs> Jackie, you've been a nurse for 60 years. Now we think that's something worth celebrating. So congratulations and thanks so much for sharing your story. Jackie, what does 60 years as a nurse mean to you? Well, Mark, it means really a lifetime of meeting wonderful people, of uh, fun, hard work, uh, and I suppose really, when I say meeting wonderful people, I'm talking about both the patients and, the, and my colleagues. And it's taken me around the world and it's given me a whole lifetime. So I'm, I'm very proud to be a nurse. Thanks, Jackie. And what an incredible career it's been. And we'll hear some more about your career throughout the podcast. Helen, you haven't been a midwife for quite as long as Jackie. has been a nurse. <laughs> Nevertheless, you, you have had an amazing career. What does being a midwife mean to you? Um, look, really, I think being a midwife is is such a privileged role. Um, we're, you know, we're we're present for you know one of life's big experiences, such an intimate moment in a family's um, life. So, uh, like Jackie, you know, nursing and midwifery has been fun and enjoyable, traumatic, dramatic, um, and a, and a, you know the ultimate privilege. Thanks, Helen. I think it is a privilege being a nurse or a midwife for anyone who does it, and um, and even people who don't do it. Mm. I think they they see what we do as incredible because we're the most respected profession <laughs> and voted as such over and over again. So I think there's a lot of there's a lot of goodwill out there for nurses yeah. and midwives, and a lot of respect and admiration. So hopefully we can share some of that with our listeners today. And um, hearing more of your stories will enable that. Now, Jackie, your career started in 1960s London. Some of our listeners wouldn't even have been born then. I love this part of your story, and I'll quote from, from your story. It was the start of the 60s era. Rock and roll was coming, miniskirts were new, stiletto heels were gorgeous, and the groups, bands, jazz musicians were in all of the coffee houses. Jackie, tell us about being a nurse while all this was going on. How did you manage? <laughs> well, I was a student nurse, of course, and it was very exciting. 
on the wards it was just really really hard work and quite frankly I was learning so much which I really enjoyed that I even liked the hard work on the wards and as soon as we got off duty and we didn't have the nine to five learning that they have now in university structured careers um, so we did shift work whenever we got off shift there was a concerted effort to head, head for town go from the east end of London into the west end and hit the jail cellars, hit the coffee houses. Nescafe was new then. (laughs) (laughs) It's unbelievable, really. We called ourselves the Nescafe generation, and uh, it it was just exciting and and really lovely. We loved, I loved London, and when I say we, I'm talking about the cohort of nurses I was training with, the the group, there were 40 of us, and so there was nearly always someone uh, who was off duty at the same time as yourself, and you'd get special friends and the group of you would meet after shift, usually up in the nurse's home and we all take off together, all done up to the nines with our stiletto heels and <laughs> our mascara. <laughs> <laughs> off to the coffee houses. Off to the here, coffee houses, that? yeah. And uh, yeah, it was just fun. It was great fun. It was quite a contrast because in the wards we had the EastEnders and the people from the docks, the the sailors, the the costermongers from the, the from the Cockney community, the people from the Jewish community, which was nearby, um, and a lot of people coming in on on the ships, sailors from places like Madagascar and India. So it was a very mixed um, group of people in the wards that we were nursing and in the outpatients, and many of them were very poor and quite uneducated. And when we hit town, we were mixing with a whole different set of people, uh, musicians and, you know, the elite who were all doing the same as we were heading for the, the high life. So it was really quite fascinating. So the melting pot of life yep. was there, Jackie, from yep. the sounds of it. Absolutely. And it was on the back of the Second World War and the Blitz in London. And um, in your story, I really... I marvelled at that that aspect because of, because of course it takes a while to rebuild a city after a war like the Second World War and the way it hit that area, um, and you had people I guess who were impacted by that who had mental health issues and alcohol issues. Absolutely. And uh, living in in bomb sites. You're you're spot on, Mark. <clears throat> it was quite amazing to me. We had an outpatient department that included a psychiatry. Mm-hmm. Um, department which was all brand new to me I was very green and the psychiatrist will be taking people as outpatients into their little rooms which were by no means soundproof and doing therapy with them and these were survivors from the war and there was a couple of times when people were going reliving I think they had PTSD quite badly and they were reliving their terrible, terrifying memories from their wartime experiences, both civilian and military. Yeah. So some of them were for Defence Force people, returned, returned soldiers, returned sailors, who were sort of wandering around looking for jobs and incompetent, I suppose, because of their mental health issues. And some were the civilian population who'd been bombed out over and over again, evacuated, separated, had half their families killed off. So there was a lot of a lot of trauma after the war yes. and people were still recovering and 
many of the people who came into the outpatient department had residual wounds, which we were still treating. Um, not terrible by then, because this was 1958 and the war finished in 46, 47, they were all coming back in. So it was nearly 10 years, but there were still people who were still suffering. And we were catching the tail end of it. And I guess because I was born during the war, uh, to me it was just normal. Mm-hmm. I didn't think yeah. it was anything unusual. Now I realise that when people go overseas to work in, in war zones that they encounter all these things too, but it's not the norm. <laughs> but then it was the norm. This was post-war Britain. Mm-hmm. And you're an 18, 19, 20-year-old woman, a nurse who was doing this. Yeah. That must have been pretty confronting, joking at that age. There are some things I'll never forget. Um, but we, we being the student nurses, we coped with it, I think, with humour. Yes. And the Cockneys had a wonderful sense of humour, still have a wonderful sense of humour. We were living in the middle of Cockney territory. It was Whitechapel, yeah. East One, you know. Um, so everyone's spent their time making fun of things. Not, not making fun of the terrible things, but making fun of how you manage life thereafter. Yeah. yeah. And... Uh, the jokes were came thick and fast, and even in the children's ward, the Cockney children were their their mouths were filthy, but their faces were angelic. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the language was amazing, and that was all new to me as well. So I I learned a lot of street language. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was sense of humour that kept us going. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's really important, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That nurses and midwives value our sense of humour because I've never met a nurse and midwife who couldn't have a laugh That's right. share a joke with. Exactly. And yeah. um, sometimes it does get a bit black, but that's the way <laughs> well, we go. Yeah. <laughs> that's nursing, isn't it? <laughs> uh, thanks, Jackie, for um, taking us back to that time. It's um, so interesting. Helen, you started your career training as a nurse, as many midwives do and have. Not all now. Some people, as we know, do direct entry midwifery. Um, and it was in the country. Yeah, yeah. So I, um, I was the first in the first year of university students through in Bendigo. Um, in rural Victoria. In rural Victoria, yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, one of Victoria's bigger cities, but still, um, still a country town. Yeah. Um, very different, even though we sort of sort of straddled both the university and the hospital system. You know, we spent a lot of time doing clinical work, um, but we also spent time in the university as well. Um, our clinical placements were up to six hours away. So if you were like me, which was a mature age student and having a part-time job, you could work Monday to Friday in you know, all over Victoria. Um, and then you'd have to pop home, you know, four hours or five hours in the car on the train or whatever to do your your evening job, which for me was selling perfume at Meyer. Um, <laughs> no, I can't stand perfume either. I'm an old Meyer later myself. <laughs> Carry on. Um, so yeah, I started in 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 Bendigo. Loved it. Lived there for three years. My parents happened to be living there at the same time. And um, but once I finished being a, a student nurse, I moved to the city because um, all of the big stuff goes to the city. You know, the, uh, there were so many things that I felt that I wasn't um, 
experienced enough doing there were lots of like mainly technical tasks but there were things that I hadn't learned so I moved to the city and um, cracked on from there yeah rural hospitals are such a big part of the local community I've worked in a few of them and done training um, with some staff in rural hospitals and they strike me as being a real hub and epicenter for that community and I think that's um, really important and therefore, everyone knows the nurses. Yeah, yeah. So what was that like? What was that like, you know, going to the supermarket and people knowing you? Because that wouldn't necessarily happen in the city. No, I suppose, look, I also have a very unusual surname. So if people would see it written down, they'd immediately associate me with my family. Um, so I, I couldn't get away with anything. And... Uh-huh. I was a bit of a naughty girl, so I, I really couldn't get away with anything. So people would see me and immediately go, you're the nurse, you know, you're the, yeah. And um, look, I loved it because everyone knows everyone, but yeah, you really did have to learn to behave a little bit more than what other people did, I suppose. In the city, you can get away with being one in, you know, hundreds of thousands of people, but mm. um, in the country, it's a little bit different. Mm. Yeah, I think those early career stories are really pivotal because they do form our career as it moves forward. Mm. And we often make lifelong friends from that time. Oh, do you have any people from that time that you're still connected with? Them? Yeah, absolutely. My absolutely bestest friend in the whole world, um, Leanne, she lives in Queensland now. She and her now husband um, live in, in Queensland. They both met at university with me. Um, both nurses. Both nurses, yeah. So, um, <coughs> yeah, so we're still absolute lifelong buddies. And, you know, the internet's an amazing thing. You know, you yeah. keep up with people on Facebook. Yeah. and um, uh, But, yeah, I mean, we, we started in one place and then we've travelled all over the countryside. And, um, you know, that's the good thing about nursing is you can go anywhere and do anything Absolutely. and, yep. you know, morph into whatever you want to, you to be. Yeah. And those friends offer us a lot of support. Yeah, definitely. Because they're people that are having a similar experience mm-hmm. to us and that we can phone or connect with through social media or email and say, how you going? Mm-hmm. This happened to me and I just need to share it with you because I want to know what you think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we know those people will know what we're talking about. Absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and I think that's one of the key things that we offer at Nurse and Midwife Support is yeah. the fact that we are all nurses and or midwives, psychiatric nurses, ICU nurses. You know, we all come from very different backgrounds, but we all understand yeah. And, you know, people do contact us and talk about all sorts of things, you know, yeah. from, you know, what wedding dress they should wear to, you know, the horrible death that they've just had on the ward. So, and we will understand because we're nurses and midwives. Yeah, very important to connect with that message of support and how we support each other. And that support is only a phone call away now, thanks to Nurse and Midwife Support, one 800 <laughs> Jackie, you stepped into drug and alcohol nursing at a time when it wasn't an area known to many nurses and it probably wasn't that popular for nurses to go into that area. So what took you there? Well, really, it was a time when I was looking to get back into full-time work after uh, stepping out and doing agency work while I raised a family. And um, a job was being offered at St Vincent's, uh, where I'd done a lot of work before. Um, 
as initially as a, um, a casual group leader running drink drive courses and I thought this is a good way to get back in I Learned don't have to work you know, no shift work yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I actually applied for the job and got it and started in drug and alcohol running courses for people who have been convicted of drink driving offences and um, that taught me the people who are running the actual structure of the groups they taught me about drug and alcohol and from there I, I just went on continuing to that field I found it really absolutely fascinating and it connected with my prior um, career which had been in neurosurgical and neurological nursing I knew as soon as a person walked in the door if they had neurological symptoms and I knew it was from alcohol if they had because it was nearly always alcohol in those days so I found it really just quite a normal thing to do to move from brains and pathology and surgery to looking at people with brains and behaviour problems and seeing the connection. So I immediately loved it. It seemed right to me to move into it and uh, when other jobs came up that were full-time I continued with it. So interesting Jackie and we hear from nurses and midwives who call us wanting support for issues that they have in relation to alcohol or yeah. drug use. So what would you say to those nurses and midwives, Jackie, who might be out there struggling with that issue and have an element of shame around that and wondering whether they should call us or not? Well, I'd say don't give up, call us. We do understand and many of us have been through several career changes. We totally know what it's like to move from one area that you're really comfortable and expert in to go into another area that you may have little knowledge of. It's not unusual for a nurse to have to change careers two or three times in the course of their life. It's okay. Give us a call. We'd love to talk to you about it. The reality is that most nurses do make transitions from one type of career into another as their life progresses. As your life circumstances change, you can't always stay in the same thing. And sometimes you just want to learn something new. And sometimes you just need to move on because you can't go on doing what you're doing any longer. And that's fine. Yeah. And we would be happy to talk to you about that at any time. Thanks, Jackie. Helen, you made a very considered and determined decision to become a midwife. And I say that because you started um, doing midwifery and realised it wasn't the right time in your life. So you, you, you stepped out of that, mm -hmm. you did what you needed to do in your personal life, and then you, when the right time came along, you went back to midwifery to start again. Tell us about your, your determination to become a midwife and what drove you. Um, I suppose I, I fell into my previous role in oncology um, as a graduate, but it was a fairly directed position, like I was you know as a graduate you were told you'll go here here and here and and I just happened to stay where I was which was oncology um I stayed there on and off for up to 15 years we did, did some um some bank and agency along the way and had had some children and my second my second child my littlest chicken as I refer to her was <laughs> was born with a, an acute brain injury from um from a birth-related injury, and she was really quite poor at the at the stage. She needed full resus and and um, just wasn't sort of meeting milestones as a little person. So I had already started midwifery at that stage because my midwife that had looked after me in labour was 
had such a huge impact on on yeah. how I birthed and how I laboured and yeah. um, you know I thought oh I could do that, um, <laughs> but yeah it just wasn't the right time with um, with my daughter being unwell so I pulled out and continued to work as um, associate charge nurse on the ward that I was on um, but yeah still had that passion in the back of my head that uh, I wanted to get back to midwifery. So I did when the time was right, when my daughter was a little bit uh, older and able to be left for, probably it wasn't really her, it was me, I was able to leave her (laughs) um, for longer periods of time. And yeah, went into midwifery and absolutely loved it, loved Mm. it, it was so much fun. But yeah, it was was very much a decision I did to do a bit of a a U-turn in the middle of the road. And then you worked with some disadvantaged communities in midwifery. Could you talk about those communities and um, what took you then in that direction? I've always liked working with sort of marginalised populations. I like working with people who other people find a little bit too difficult. So um, I took up a role working in drug and alcohol with women who were drug and alcohol dependent, who had mental health problems, were sex workers, um, you know, people who really needed a little bit of extra time with with their midwife. Um, and I just, I loved it. I loved that kind yeah. of work. I really loved making a difference for people. Yeah. Um, I also worked out in the, um, with the local Aboriginal uh, community, helping those women get a connection with their, um, you know, with their medical appointments and just making sure that they felt confident and competent to, to go on and birth and look after their babies. So um, I've always, yeah, I've always loved working with people who just needed that little bit extra time. So yeah. rewarding. Helen, I really connected with the part in your story about delivering a load of wood <laughs> yeah. to keep the house warm as there was a prem baby to be cared for. Yeah. It reminded me that nurses and midwives do just about anything Absolutely. or everything that they needs do. to be done. Mm, they do. Um, was there a time in your career, having done all this, that you needed support and you reached out? I think... I think all nurses really do need the support, but as a general rule, we're really bad at asking for help. And I think across the board, you know, certainly when I was coming through, no doubt with you too, Jackie, that there was no clinical debriefing, there was no, no supervision, you know, there were no, none of these things. There was nobody, if you didn't have a family member that was a nurse, Correct. you'd say, oh, people just don't get it because nurses, we, you know, nursing is not a job. It's a lifestyle. It's a, exactly. it's, it's our heart, yes. you know, and it's so different to a normal job. And, um, you know, we didn't have that formalized debrief type stuff. People used to go and prop up a bar. Yeah. You know, you'd have a bad yeah. night. That's right. Have a horrible <laughs> shift and you'd find all of the nurses down the yep. pub instead, yep. which is, you know, yep. not therapeutic at all um so yes look there's uh, there's been numerous times that i would have liked somebody to to have a debrief with you know, yeah i had a shift once in uh labor and delivery ward where we had no, um five babies die on one night oh my goodness you know, three triplets and and two single miscarriages yeah that's the sort of night you it was a night shift you'd go home at seven o'clock in the morning and then you'd be expected to sleep 
Yep. You know, it, it, and of course, you know, those little babies are still in your brain and they're, you know, they're still hovering around in the bedroom with you and um, it would be really a good thing for, you know, for, for me those years ago to have been able to call somebody and just go, I have had the worst shift available. You know, yeah. let, me, let me just unload on somebody. Um, and equally, you know, when you do something fabulous and you have a great shift and yeah. you go home, you know, those grads who call us who are so proud that they've done everything. And, you know, we want to hear the good stories as well. We don't want to just hear the bad stuff. Oh, absolutely. And if you want to call us to share any story or any issue that you need support for, we're here 24-7. Jackie, what have you done in your very long career that you would never have expected to have done? You know, when you go, go back to the 18-year-old Jackie, <laughs> about 60 years later, what, what, is there something that stands out that you think, gee whiz, I would never have thought I would have done that in my life? Oh, my goodness. Well, I think... Oh, I suppose in the, at the beginning I would never have thought I'd gone into drug and alcohol. But somewhere along the way, I also did some domiciliary nursing yeah. um, as part of uh, agency nursing when, uh, when I was raising children. And going into some of those homes was just the most amazing thing. I did things in there I would never have thought possible. Cleaning out rats and mice <laughs> from a kitchen so that they, you could actually get a cup of tea that was not contaminated oh. and make something to eat for the person you were supposed to be there looking after. That is impressive. Yeah. <laughs> Most nurses and midwives would think they would never do that. Yeah, oh, well, maybe, maybe now. They, I don't know. When you're in someone's home and there's mouse droppings everywhere, you, you, know, you have to do something. And another one was going into a Jewish home where somebody had had a stroke and they had an episode and at the end of the shift I cared for the person we called the doctor he did all the right things and at the end I was sitting writing my report at the kitchen table and I said to the the wife would you mind if I had a cigarette I used to smoke in those Mm -hmm. days I don't encourage it I don't do it now (laughs) but (laughs) that's what it was back then and this is in the 60s no, no, sorry, this was in the 80s. Um, and she said not a word. She brought out an ashtray and put it in front of me and said, thank you very much, nurse, and left me. And afterwards I found out it was a very strictly orthodox Jewish household and I had actually contravened their laws oh. because it was a weekend, there was Sabbath, no one should have had a cigarette in the house, but they allowed it because there was allowance in the, in the, New Test- in the Old Testament for dire circumstances. <laughs> And I just felt awful. <laughs> and I thought afterwards, oh God, I would never have done that. <laughs> so that's something I would never have thought I would have done. I would have gone against someone's social mores and concerns, but I did. But anyway, they forgave me. <laughs> uh, well, that's why we come across those things in our career that we, um, we learn from having done it. We do. You no, do indeed. Yeah, Definitely. I've learned from that and I won't do that again. No. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> now, it struck me from reading both of your stories that resilience has been a big part of your success. Would you agree with that? First for you, Helen. And if yes, what does it mean to you? Oh, look, I think resilience is, is something that's just 
so important to all nurses. You know, yeah. we're confronted with the most amazing yep. things that, you know, normal normal people, you know yeah. what I mean, <laughs> that people don't know about. You know, we see people at their best and their worst we and, do. you know, in, in life-changing experience, you know, birth and death yeah. and, you know, incredible disability and... Um, yeah. Terrible injuries. Yeah. So I think you learn very, very early on that you can do anything. Nurses can do anything. You know, from that very first needle where, you know, I remember putting a needle into somebody's bottom and not having the needle attached to the syringe properly (laughs) and leaving the needle behind in the bottom and the syringe in my hand and just going, what do I do? You learn really quickly to, to just... Do it yeah. and, and bounce back. Bounce back and smile and yeah. just you know and just go. Oh, I won't do that again. Like your smoking story. Yeah. Jackie, so, would you add anything to that? I heartily endorse everything that Helen's just said. I think resilience is just a core thing that you mm. need to hang on to. And if you haven't got it, you need to learn to develop it. Learn the skills that give you the confidence to be yeah. to bounce back after everything because you're worth it. And to be quite honest. Nurses can do everything and do do everything. Yeah, absolutely. And you have the right to be doing that as well. <laughs> well, I can't believe we're almost at the end of this podcast. Yeah. Time flies when you're speaking to two inspirational guests and, and when you're hearing um, stories about a career of 60 years and then mm-hmm. another <laughs> very long and inspirational career. Um, there, is a, there is something in your story, Jackie, that I really really touched me and I wonder if you'd be happy to read it as we finish and, um, and our, our listeners can um, read about this in Jackie's story when of course they read it after this podcast. <laughs> Thank you Mark. Well I say this now I'm reading it but in fact I do mean it. I'm a nurse. I'm proud of it and when I die I'll be a dead nurse. It's my craft, profession and identity I'm also an alcohol and other drug nurse and a counsellor. I have the incredible privilege of working with the Nurse and Midwife Support Program, which allows me to share time with generations of nurses who follow me, and perhaps to give back some of what has been given to me, a lifetime of learning and satisfaction. And when I wrote those words, I meant every bit of them, and I still do to this day. It's beautiful, Jackie. Thank you so much. It's so beautiful. Thanks so much for sharing that, Jackie, and for sharing your story. And thank you, Helen, for sharing oh, yours. I know that our listeners will really enjoy and benefit from this podcast. And if you found this podcast useful, please share it with other nurses, midwives and students. And please call us anytime you need support. 1-800-667-877. I'll speak to you next time. Thank you to Osmed for their generosity in making the editing of this podcast possible.